So recently we attended the Wellbeing at Work Summit uh, in uh, Sydney, but truly it was international because it was a virtual event and it was had some uh, great uh, top line speakers uh, who were uh, in this particular industry that when we're talking about well-being, um, they're kind of some of the leading lights. And so we just want to spend a bit of time going through uh, some of the key thoughts and the highlights of the day. And um, as usual, Lena's been keen uh, taking some notes and uh, making some great little drawings. And uh, if you want to check out our LinkedIn page, you'll be able to uh, see what she's been up to there. Beyond Wellbeing, leading a thriving, generative and conscious workplace culture with Daryl Brown and Lena Mberku. Let's, uh, let's start working through the day. How did, how did you feel, uh, Lena, as you kind of spent the day there and as we kind of reflect on what it was about? What, what was your kind of takeaway on that? Yeah, I was very impressed um, by uh, what Lawrence Mitchell um, managed to do with his team. Um, and kudos to him. It was a pleasure to interview him a few weeks ago ahead of um, the summit and actually see the great work that he has manifested. I I had a great day. I found it really interactive and entertaining. And what I really appreciated about this festival was that the pace was, was fantastic, like the capacity to take breaks and uh, also have time to connect with others and not necessarily just absorb content all day. I found the, the bite-sized uh, sort of uh, format really worked for me, plus the little breaks with stretches or meditation um, was a very refreshing way to recharge and open our minds to the next thing. So. Um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that work. Yes, and for me, I found, uh, again, as we were just commenting before, one of the big things from the day was, again, how we're highlighting and understanding, and this is, seems to be across a whole broad range of, uh, you know, businesses uh, across our communities and, and society in some ways, we're starting to recognise more and more the importance of looking after and you know the mental well-being but also obviously that flows into the the physical side of of people that are working for us working with us and that seems to be highlighted a bit with the and accelerating a whole lot of stuff uh, around this um covid um pandemic kind of presentation but uh yeah but let's let's jump into it shall we let's see what we got yeah well i felt really excited to hear again from Duncan Young we had uh, covered uh, his presentation at um, the wellness uh, festival uh, again uh, about a month or so ago and um, i enjoyed what he said then which was all about tiny habits and the capacity to really make change frictionless when you are wanting to create a new routine in your life but he really expanded on that um, yesterday with um, his conversations around the, the pillars of well-being which is of course nothing new like it's about physical exercise and nutrition and connections and uh, recovery or sleep and and having a sense of purpose um 
but as you said, like it's not just about knowing it, it's about how are you implementing that in your life and how can you keep yourself in check because um, well-being is not about being less sick, but about being able to thrive and flourish and uh, really create the right environment for ourselves and the right structures, I guess, to make that happen. Yeah. No, that's... Uh... He had a a lot of very useful, like he was just bang, bang, bang with um, with his points and um, they were quite, yeah, it, it was quite dense in the information that he put out there. But as you say, it is it is known known stuff and he's pulled a lot of um, a lot of his thinking from, um, yeah, experts from right across the world, isn't it? And with with the books like um, Atomic Habits and um, and there's a there's a few other um, kind of writers and and people that he kind of quoted from and um, and it is about bringing the best of of what we know together and, and kind of just uh, bringing it into our lives as you say yeah yeah that idea as well of the circle of control like to really yes. focus on what we can do whether it's uh, working on our mindset or working on our physical exercise and routines but um, making sure that we know the difference, I guess, between what it is that uh, we have no control over. And uh, yes. of course, uh, many things at the moment, um, but as they will always be in a way as well, like uh, COVID or no COVID, I think that there are many things that completely take our control, but if we can really keep redirecting our attention to what it is that we can change and make changes that are positive and that are bringing us closer to the person we want to be, I think that, that sounds like a very good path to me. Yeah, and I think there is, there's an interesting point in that, is that sometimes, you know, within company culture and things, there, there can be things that you make to be goals and make to be outcomes mm -hmm. that, in fact, you have no control over, you know? You have control over the inputs, but, you know, the final result, um, sometimes it's like, in some ways, it's a, it's an aspiration. It's something you might aspire, you, you know, like hope this happens. But really, there's no control over some of these things. And so, it's it's interesting how I think sometimes even within company culture, we can set up ourselves to fail um, in a way that we can that we set goals, that we set outcomes that we actually don't have control over. You know, so. Perhaps there's a different way, and as you say, going back to that circle of control, well, what can we control within that environment? Which is, you know, if it's, let's say, it's kind of sales targets and things. Well, you can't control how many people decide to buy your service or product, but you can control how many conversations you have or how many conversations that you seek to initiate or progress or whatever else. So it's kind of interesting how. You know, sometimes we're measuring the the wrong things. Some things are the the overflow of doing the right things that we have control over. Anyway, uh, <laughs> that's just... point, another good point that I picked up is that idea of changing your environment. So, uh, if in the organization you find a, a football instead of finding uh, your usual team plans or vending machines, then you are you're more likely to to eat healthy and and. Uh, create positive change for yourself and when you surround yourself with junk food and uh, and it's the same like uh, when they say you are the 
you are the average of the five people that you hang out with. So actually to really pay attention to what do you surround yourself with. Yep, yep. Some, it's sort of like a, an alcoholic going into a bar. It's, you're, you're not setting yourself up for a win, are you? If you... <laughs> I liked his other point too. He made one around stress. And you know, there's this whole thing now where uh, people might say they want to avoid stress, but mm. he is suggesting that stress is normal. Um, so that, you know, it's just, um, but, but he says that worry, being stressed about stress is, is, not, is not the healthy thing. <laughs> And that's often the way, you know, like even when we think about being anxious, it's being, it's being anxious about being anxious that's actually the problem and the right. same thing with stress, yeah. Yes, indeed. That reminds me of, the, of Sue Langley's um, presentation again a month ago around the good stress and the bad stress. Yes, stress. Use, yeah, use stress or something, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. yeah. So my the highlights were um, the conversation between uh, Lawrence Mitchell and Martha Serrani, Jordan King and Lassana de la Motte around the future of work. Well, I guess we look at the idea that, um, as Lawrence said, that workplaces are communities of people. Yeah. Um, basically, workplaces can be the hub of transformation, can be the, the portal or the new possibility for people to create a better society yeah. um, as, as they hang out together with a common purpose or with um, a desire to bring better things to this planet. Um, and, um, and the way that organizations treat people can, again, have a, a really positive impact on their own communities. Like, uh, if, if an employee is happy at work, they will go home and, you know, be kinder, I guess, to their families and yeah. and friends. So uh, I think there is immense power um, in designing uh, the right future of work. Yes, and I think that's, as you're saying, this is looking at particularly that kind of post-COVID thing, what does the future of our work look like? And, um, yeah, those are powerful things. Um, building more of that community and that's going to be addressed you know they talked about um the idea of addressing the loneliness or that the hybrid part i think that's come out a few times mm -hmm. where where there is a socialization factor that we'll need to build into the future of work if we're going to do more of this remote working stuff and um yeah that seems to be a powerful thing and mm -hmm. and and as you say um it seems to be coming top of mind with uh, a lot more leaders uh, that were talking about here about making sure that we're kind to one another. There's a, this is a lot more understanding from the top. This, this is not just work through your checklist and uh, sign off at the end of the day. This is like, okay, let's take the time in building relationships, in, in, in checking in with each other and um, yeah, making sure that we're connected and knowing you, you know taking account of the emotional needs of um, our workforces yeah and i really like the points that cindy was sharing about that like how you can support your workforce uh, or be kinder to people is to make sure that they have what she calls moments of joy uh, yeah. and that happens when you offer 
people, highly flexible work arrangements, when leaders are modeling the change, like when they are able to to talk about the, the best use of a day off, for example, to really encourage people to take breaks and to recharge and to replenish. Um, and, um, and also that culture of uh, growth and learning and use, by using the training budget, like really encouraging people to go to conferences and seminars and educate themselves and grow and learn better skills. I think that that is all contributing to to well-being, like that, that sense of expanding our mind or learning ways to be kinder to ourselves and others, and yeah. uh, and all the things around better human connection. Like I love that she is always looking for stories of inspiration and, and sharing that with her staff and uh, and making sure that people stay connected through um, birthday videos or Slack messages. Just bringing that that sense of togetherness um, is highly important. Yep, yep. And then um, Dr. Marcus said a few things there. Mm. Um, what was it? Something around distance, just in time. Oh, just a few changes in, in the way um, that we're kind of looking post-COVID. That was his first point was around the death of distance. So there is that kind of that work from any anywhere um, yep. that will kind of flow out of where we're at now. And he talked about another one here, uh, move from just in time to always in hand, mm. always on hand. So um, that's kind of interesting. So it, it kind of, that's a, that's a change in perspective from before of just, just making it, isn't it? To, to having it kind of filled up more. And talked also around, you know, the priority of mental health and also uh, around the fourth industrial revolution uh, where we're talking about AI and the Internet of Things and that that's really accelerating now. And so, you know, we might have thought that that was a few years away, but the current situation is kind of accelerating that and, you know, bringing that right in, into perspective right now. That's right. Like when I attended Singularity U or another conference uh, called Creative Innovation in Melbourne, they were talking about uh, the rise of uh, telehealth or 3D printing and machine learning, etc. But it, even though they said that we were about to experience exponential change and that things were going to seem to happen sooner than we were expecting them to happen, I could not really see the pathway to that. Uh, I, I, I was just figuring out that there would be too much resistance in society to allow for those things to happen. And yet um, this situation has really precipitated and accelerated the, the, the change and it's frightening yes. how how soon we have adopted things that we never right. would see in our lifetime. Yeah. 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 The adaption has been, and the take up has been, yeah, it's been quite, it's been so quick because it's been necessary. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so therefore the acceptance of, of the way that we use these new technologies or these, these kind of remote technologies or whatever it is. Um, yeah, it's really, it's really coming really quickly. Mm. Yeah, and he left us with that quote of um, self-love and self-care is not selfish, like to really prioritize the capacity to look after ourselves um, if we want to be able to look after others, as a famous line about the, 
the oxygen mask that you need to put on yourself first before you can help others and it's even truer in these difficult times yeah no that's um that's a, a a good thing to kind of remember isn't it and often we we try and perhaps either look after something or or forget our own particular needs and um just push on either with the business or with looking after other people and yeah that doesn't work mm. yeah my other highlight was darren smith um speaking about uh, financial wellness that he asked people what does financial wellness mean to them so we had a few uh, keywords that uh, jumped on up in the chat of freedom comfort security choice peace of mind income so it was like different ways i guess for people to express the change that would uh, manifest i guess if they were to feel more financially secure um and um and i mean there are there's a lot of data that shows that australian have uh i mean not only they're highly in debt but um most of Australians did not have that many, that much savings. So of course, when COVID hit, people have been using whatever money they, they had and um, scrambling. So a lot of people have been surviving thanks to JobKeeper or JobSeeker. Um, but it is likely that um, that Australians are going to really feel the burnt of it in the next couple of months and i guess it makes sense that there would be plans in place or programs in place in organizations to help the staff manage their, their money yeah and this it, it picks up on that point doesn't it um where where as employers um in in business however it is your employees are with you a huge proportion of their life and again if we know that stress and all that can come around you know stuff that happens outside of work with your relationships or and again with how you're managing your finances or not managing your finances so it does um, behoove a business or a corporation to look after or to have some input that may assist um, their staff to to look after their their financial well-being um, to to provide some education or to provide some programs that that kind of help them to to manage money and certainly I could have done with that you know <laughs> a few years ago and uh, yeah so it's still still a, a topic that's high on the agenda isn't it as we kind of think about how do we how do we help people have um, a better life so that they're more able to come to the workplace it's not even so that but the side effect of that is that when you come to the workplace you can give your all you're not mm-hmm. sidetracked by by this other you know thought lane that's running parallel to you trying to do your work which is how do I survive how do I make the next rent payment how do I put food on the table that kind of thing but I guess uh, in any other topics what, what's beautiful about all this is that it really brings the difficult conversations to the table like a lot of things used to be taboo whether it's anxiety or depression or uh, money 
and mm. now it's like normalizing it and making it okay to say hey i'm not okay and and um there's huge progress and as they, they kept saying during the conference yesterday um the one of the real winners of this crisis is actually well-being and health that we, we're having we're having to put more focus on on our well-being and um yep. really interesting times yes yes very good So the next thing is uh, the conversation with Christina Geritakis from Singularity U. Okay. About what does the future of work look like? Yeah, no, she had um, with Singularity U that they, they kind of look a lot at the the impact of technology and future stuff, don't they? And, That's um, right. Yeah, indeed. I, I loved. She had a, a few stories as well about um, about visiting. Zappos. Yeah, Zappos. That was she spent a lot of time on that, which was pretty profound. It had a big effect on her, and um, and you could tell by the energy in her voice and and um, just uh, how enamoured she was with the way that the the culture had had be was truly uh, like a whole of life experience there. So uh, the way that. Um, you know, the receptionist was enabled and the way that um, they they really did believe their customer service story and it was to the nth degree in there. I love that. Yeah, she brought a lot of uh, hope um, around uh, the future of work in, uh, in, an, in an environment that is um, highly technological and saying that technology destroys jobs but doesn't destroy work and that it is expected that by 2022 there will be 133 million new roles um and that basically a lot of i mean i know a lot of people have fear around the job losses but um we keep getting indications that um there will be lots of new jobs that we cannot imagine yet um and that are a great way to prepare for the future of work is to be a highly adaptable generalist like to really yes that appeals to me because i'm kind of a bit of a generalist myself, uh, so, <laughs> so <that>, i'm good <laughs> <laughs> yeah i like that and and i like the comparison so there was the, the reality check that but again by 2022 75 million jobs will have been displaced or they won't exist anymore but as you say by 2022 133 million new roles will be created and then she's expect again extrapolating it out and again i don't know how they do these numbers but anyway by 2030 395 million new jobs and 10.1 trillion dollars in uh, business opportunities uh, they're big numbers. I have no idea, you know, what they are really, but um, it does sound encouraging. It shows that there is that kind of positive look, and sometimes we hear all the doom and gloom, and perhaps that's, you know, it it sells advertising space on television, doesn't it? The the doom and gloom stuff because we go, oh, what are we going to do? But but to actually know that there is um, there is hope that in fact as we're progressing as a human race as we're understanding more as we're building that into our lives uh, and even with the benefit of the technology 
we're actually finding that um, they're good. it's still good. It's not like, you know, we need to go back to the horse and cart and that we need to start, you know, building um, pyramids just one stone at a time by pulling a big rock, you know. <laughs> Um, the next thing that I had was that conversation between Amy Childs and uh, Audrey McGibbons. And um, yeah, the, the sentence that stuck with me was that Amy said she did not want to let work make her sick. Yeah. And I think that's a very important um, commitment to have to oneself. Like uh, so many people burn out and have uh, anxiety or depression or other illnesses, um, sometimes physical illnesses due to um, their work really destroying their health. So I think that when you make that sort of, when you enter your, your job with that sort of intention that not only I don't want my job to make me sick, but I actually want to thrive and flourish and, and, and get out better than I came in, which is what one of the, um, one of Audrey's clients, um, had as a purpose for his organization is that people leave the organization better than they than they came in, which is which is really really exciting and inspiring. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, I, I liked. I was quite inspired by Amy's story as well, and and um, she talked again. One of those keys around um, the workplace not making you sick came, perhaps came from her story of her own parents and uh, her own father who who died of cancer but was kind of like who worked almost worked himself into the grave in that sense and um she, yeah she didn't feel like she wanted to repeat that but it was um it was good like as um though amy's part of a, a business or the leader of um momentum energy and that's kind of she talks about it being a challenger brand right. and it just showed that um as you kind of if you're in a smaller place we where you can't necessarily buy the best talent because um, you know you can't afford that you, you can't afford to do that. She she goes forward with that the idea that in fact there are other benefits that you can um, provide as an organisation, and they don't have to be financial, and they're still really really valuable. And that was that whole kind of start I think it's in her nature anyway but to build in um, a really amazing workplace culture and um, yeah to really support the staff and to be really um, to pull that whole hierarchy thing where it's just perks for the boys or perks up you know as you go up and down the chain to actually to broaden it out and to give a voice to and to to give value to everyone in the organization and even going to this extent, she was talking about her um, uh, the way that they uh, uh, did the interior design of the new office space, and um, she she recounted a story of having a of seeing a, uh, uh, one of the staff who was kind of always confined to their office in the past, and um, but. Um, it kind of felt the freedom to be able to work in this new open space and make the decision to do some work out there because again that was part of the the, the culture that they were building in there but to see someone actually take that up that would probably have been reticent in the past was a, kind of filled her with a bit of joy you know 
<laughs> so that's good. amazing to treat people like grown-ups and give them choice. But also what I love about her story is that she involved about 80 people in the design. So it was really designed by the people for the people. So really empowering people and, and hearing as many voices as she could. But bringing on that sense of equality and fairness through, for example, having everyone across the organization have the same equipment rather than having the top managers having the laptops and everybody else needing to work on a PC. Like there was just like that sense of you 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 reward everyone or give everyone the same the same chances or this that that feeling of belonging that they're not missing out that they're not like less than yeah. uh, which I felt really sweet and encouraging and. And the fact that she did not have that sense of entitlement, like she, she gave up on the corner office, like the best um, strategically positioned office in the uh, building to actually make it a, a space for everyone together, which was really, really, for me, like it's, it's all those acts, like those, those, those things that speak for themselves. Like it, it, she doesn't need to say much just by doing certain things, like it sends a very powerful and strong message. And it is, there is that, what you bring up is so important, is, is that kind of congruence, isn't it? Because so often you can have your values and things and you can stick them in a book on a shelf, but what is it actually, how do you walk, how do you walk that out? How do you work that out? How do you live it out in your day-to-day -day practice? And I love that as well, like she talks, I, I wrote down this phrase and it kind of, it makes so much sense anyway. Um, she was talking about supporting her frontline staff who are basically the, the call takers and things and those that are kind of, I suppose, are selling. And she basically says, happy people sell. So it's, it was, uh, you know, which kind of makes sense is when, you, when, you're, uh, when you're talking with someone and you're happy, um, it's kind of a different energy than... You know, if you're unhappy, if you're trying to just push to get that last thing in through the day, oh, that sounds, it just feels horrible even talking about it like that. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> so that was pretty good. And then we had the conversation between Rob Stevenson, uh, Adam Beringer, and Joel uh, Pilgrim. And um, I, I found Rob very courageous in the way he opened the conversation because he he said that he wanted to find out how the others were going um, uh, yesterday. Uh, but he asked that by revealing that he himself was not going so well. He was actually a little bit depressed that if he had to score himself on, on a scale of one to, one, uh, one to 10, he would say that he's about a four out of 10. And he gave some really good prompts to people to really reflect more deeply about their state of being by asking how motivated are you? How energized are you? How's your sleep, your exercise, your diet, your sense of purpose, your connection to loved ones? How relaxed are you about your finances? So I think that it makes it more relatable and, and easier to then I guess reflect or dig deeper and respond more honestly and vulnerably when you're asked in, in more detail how are you and when somebody is willing to share with you that they themselves are not so well right now. Yeah, and again, it just brings that point that seems to have been coming up, which is it's okay not to be okay. 
and that was kind of it seemed to be a theme out of this chat in some ways wasn't it um and that's and again that comes back to a you know a principle of of mental health anyway which kind of talks to um that that way that we can accept all emotions rather than try and not experience them you know and it's when we try not to experience uh let's say let's call it air quotes a negative emotion that's actually when it's a problem the there's no problem with experience when we experience emotions and acknowledge them because they move through us and they move through us and you know could be like 20 minute cycles or whatever but when we don't then they get shoved under the carpet then that's when we start having the problems and i suppose as as businesses as organizations get to understand how human beings actually function best then we're going to see some real breakthroughs i love that with adam he came in and he was someone that's um in deloitte and uh talking about um i suppose that was almost like a coming out um to to his staff or to some of his leaders around his experience of anxiety and and panic attacks and depression and stuff like that and and that was again you know as we talk about it that's one of those if you're in a macho kind of organization that's kind of you just don't talk about that you just have to you're kind of quite isolated in that sense um so it was good again to hear that 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 there was a way that you can share that that you can if you've got a supportive team around you um you aren't an anxious or depressed person you're a person who's experiencing that and there's always a way through that yeah mm. yes a great example of that is just his share he said that he would have been a four out of ten before he surfed, but then he went for a surf and now he's feeling eight or ten, uh, eight out of ten. So that that's that just shows that uh, it doesn't take much. Some, I mean, I don't want to, to dismiss, of course, like uh, when people are severely depressed, etc. Like it may seem like a mountain to get to another stage of being. But for most of us, we we we, sh we, we go through a lot of emotions uh, during the day, different stages of being, and there are some tricks or tools that will allow us to change that state and and i guess that that also is a great segue to what uh, joel Ebrin is doing with his surf therapy and and his business ways of wellness like that idea of using surf as a way to help people connect more to the happy vibes i guess or to the, to the positive feelings yeah no he was he was good i i loved loved that stuff and he talked about, you know, when you get out, it's just a way to, um, what did he say? Oh, the bullshit, bullshit barrier, I think he called it, <laughs> where basically when you get out on the wave, you're, um, everything that was in that other world was kind of left behind and you left all the bullshit behind. And again, it's a way of just giving your mind a break, isn't it? And so we can develop a whole bunch of, um, techniques as you say or or practices that help us to leave the bullshit behind and and kind of give our give ourselves a bit of a break yeah you know it was a great great conference and um i mean links in the show notes to allow people to also uh follow on the next uh, ones that are coming up um definitely a few around the world in toronto and amsterdam and 
Yes, no, there's some there's some fantastic stuff in there, and um, it was great as well as you were talking about before, just having the opportunity to network, and I talked to a couple of um, people there, and even um, you found some kind of new resources that I didn't know exists. Um, I like even for small businesses uh, or, or up to 200 employees, um, the New South Wales government has a whole a whole uh, range of services that can help um, with mentally healthy workplaces and, and all that kind of thing. So I was talking to Olivia from um, from Safe Work New South Wales, and so there was you know there's all these kind of things that um, yeah we'll we'll continue to kind of delve into as we go along in these. Um, in these podcast episodes and find these people and bring these great gems before you and uh, yeah we look forward to continuing that story with you you've been listening to beyond well-being with daryl brown and lena mberku well thanks for uh, tuning in uh, today and uh, we look forward to having you along uh, on our journey as we travel through and and work through this whole idea of, of generating uh, an amazing workplace culture and um, bringing along the well-being of, of our staff and our constituents as we go along. Now again, if you want to get in touch with um, Lena or myself, Daryl Brown, um, you can do that via our normal LinkedIn uh, profiles or also through our websites at macroleaders.com.au or upside downleader.com. Look forward to seeing you next week. <laughs>